Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hi, thanks for listening to the Ram Nation podcast. Before we start this week's episode, let me tell you about our newest sponsor, Peterson Toyota, who currently has their Black Friday sales event running from now to the end of November. Stop by for the hottest deals of the year. They've been serving customers for more than 52 years in Fort Collins. They've mastered knowing what people want from a car dealership, and they've built their business around it. Peterson is Northern Colorado's largest automotive dealership, and they care about each and every customer for the lifetime of their vehicle needs. You can expect high-quality vehicles at the right price. This family-owned business proudly serves the communities of Fort Collins, Greeley, Windsor, Loveland, Longmont, Frederick, Del Camino, Firestone, and Tacono. They're loyal to Colorado State University supporters, and we couldn't be more proud to have them as a partner. When you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, make Peterson Toyota your first choice. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Canalamessa. We are back after a couple week hiatus. Hope everybody's doing well and enjoying their Thanksgiving week. It's hard to believe that Thanksgiving is here and we've got the Air Force rivalry game here at noon on Thursday, Thanksgiving. And uh, it's a game that CSU has not won in five years. It's a game CSU has not won on the road in 18 years. I remember that day very vividly. It's the day my first son was born. We're going to talk about this upcoming game. We're going to talk about the last game a little bit. I don't want to dive too much into it because it was a complete nightmare, that, that Boise State game. Talk about what's going on with the start of college basketball season and, and the CSU Hoops program shutting down and missing out on a couple of key games. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but first, I want to bring in Dan Miller, the owner of Mighty River Brewing Company. He's been a, uh, in business for about two years now, a little over two years now. They just celebrated their two-year anniversary I believe this summer, this uh, September-ish, and uh, they've been a Ram Nation sponsor for for almost that whole time. So uh, very happy and proud to have them as a sponsor. Dan Miller is also a longtime CSU diehard fan and uh, does a lot for Ram Nation and CSU as a whole. Let me welcome Dan Miller, owner of Mighty River Brewing Company. Dan, how you doing, bud? Yeah, thanks for having me, Joel. Awesome to be here. I, I listen to the podcast all the time and uh, love being on here with you and, and uh, um, ready, to, ready to talk some, some football and some beer. Yeah. So tell me how, how it's going with the business. Um, like I said, I know the, the recent move, which I think hit Friday uh, by the governor to issue this new um, this category, categorization of red or whatever it means. I don't know, but uh, where it's closed certain businesses to indoor dining and drinking and how's that affected you guys so far? Uh, well, um, for some reason, Larimer County didn't go into effect until yesterday at five o'clock. So um, it, I, it definitely will affect us. And the, the reason it will is because we are not allowed to do any more uh, indoor seating for our customers. Uh, they have to sit outside. And uh, that's all we can do. We can do well. We can do to go. Um, and during the last shutdown, we did delivery, but we're not doing delivery yet. We'll see kind of how things go, how long it lasts before we decide whether or not we're going to do some deliveries of beer. Um, so we're going to 
kind of dress up our patio with some with some canopies and some coverings and eaters and fire pits, whatever we can do to get folks out on the patio and be somewhat comfortable during these you know, late fall uh, months. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, um, that's all we can do. And uh, it, um, they haven't really given a timetable on it yet. So I'm really hoping it's just for three, maybe four weeks. You know, I'm guessing probably around New Year's, they might reevaluate it, but I'm not sure. Right. So, um, so that's what's going on uh, with that, with the restrictions anyway. How taxing has it been for you, considering that, um, you know, I t- I've talked to you through the parts of the year and came to visit you in September and, um, right. and you would just, you'd come through that period where they had closed things down and you were surviving and figuring out how to, to stay afloat, you know, with sending people on the, on the patio and, and trying to get by with delivery and carry out. Um, you got through that and then they allowed people to come back again to the facility and, and hang out there, at least in smaller numbers. Um, and so you got through that, you're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and then you, you get hit again with, with going back to square one. Yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal because you know, th- those months back in the spring where we were shut down, um, we weren't even allowed patio service right. uh, during the spring. All we had was stove and delivery. That was brutal. We, we are, our revenues were a fraction, tiny fraction of what they were normally during those about three months shy and uh it, it was brutal and then we, we got out of it and we had a good response i think people were really wanting to get out and enjoy uh kind of life again after the first lockdown so we had a really nice response in uh, uh late may uh into june and uh summer summer was pretty good i was actually pretty pleased with how it went and, and early fall went pretty well too um business did start to dip as news of COVID uh, infections increased. Um, and then all of a sudden last week, um, the news about everybody having to shut down, which I kind of felt like it was coming because they were talking that it could, uh, the health department up here in Lamar County. And uh, so, uh, and yeah, boom, there it was. And uh, so, yeah, here we go again. And uh, hopefully it's shorter this time. Hopefully it's not three months. <laughs> So, uh, so we'll, we'll do what we can to survive and uh, see how it goes. Well, and, and we were talking, you, you had said that things actually had started going really well, you know, especially for such a new business, um, breaking into a, an, a market that there's a lot of beer options out there. But, uh, you know, you, you started gaining some great traction, after, you know, later in your first year and, and starting into your second year and, and uh yeah, business was good for, for a bit there, wasn't it, until this hit? It, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, I was really happy with how things were going. I think our our, our customers and, and people who come to our brewery quite a bit were really liking what we were doing. And and, you, and people that had never heard of us before were really starting to kind of figure out what we were and, and what we were doing and, and wanted to be a part of it as, as, as 2020 was starting. And I was really happy with how we were being received and and then all of a sudden it was just it was done and uh um we lost lost a lot uh during those, those three months 
Um, we kept going, trying to stay positive and kept releasing beers. And, you know, production slowed down, but we, we wanted to kind of keep that momentum going as best we could. And I think we kind of we kind of picked up where we left off after we reopened in late May. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it seems like it's been a roller coaster, really. Uh, ups and downs. And um, if we could ever just get back to a kind of a normal state, um, I'd feel pretty good. <laughs> Well, we, we all hope that, bud, and uh, the way that you're fighting to, to stay afloat here is impressive and obviously hope the best for you guys. Um, what is the best way for people to support you? Matt, you said that people can currently come in and sit out on the patio, um, but you can come in and pick up cans to, to go and, and growlers to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, if people want to hang out on the patio and drink draft here, can we were filling that patio and uh, yeah, four packs to go, uh, growlers to go. We have 32 ounce and 64 ounce growlers. And people can bring their own too. So we've got some options for, for people that come and try our beer. And uh, especially, you know, for the holidays, maybe grab some beer to go and have it with their, you know, for their Thanksgiving and Christmas celebrations and all that. Yeah. Yeah, stock up today, fellas. People, get get in there and stock up for for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um, so tell me about uh, some of the some of your latest beers. I saw the Puffy Coat is back. You had a jalapeno thing going on. Tell, mm-hmm. tell me, tell me about some of these latest creations you got. Yeah, we we we've been trying to keep keep the variety uh, going uh, even during all this. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, the uh, strawberry jalapeno. Uh, people love it. It's not high on heat, but it's just got that really nice green chili and jalapeno flavor. Then you add the strawberry, and it's a big hit. Um, it's been it's been one of our number ones since we released it about two three weeks ago. Um, and and then, that was that was a collaboration with yeah, with Matador. That's right. Yep. Thanks for mentioning that. Uh, how, how, yeah. How'd that how'd that come about? Um, so I my brewer actually used to work at Matador. Um, uh, two years ago, and uh, he got to know Paul, the owner, pretty well during that time. And when we opened Mighty River, um, uh, I kind of got to know Paul a little bit. Um, I knew him a little bit before my, my brewer Curtis uh, uh, worked with him, and uh, so just kind of knew Paul a little bit. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of a, it just seemed natural with Curtis having worked with him before. I knew him. Um, it's Curtis's idea to do this collab and. It's a great idea because uh, they provided all all the uh, chilies and jalapenos for the beer, so um, so that worked out great. And Matador is awesome. If you guys haven't been there, it's fantastic. On uh, Harmony and Timberline, pretty much. So, um, yeah, so that so, was good. So was that that was Curtis's brainchild for what uh, for the the flavors of it as well? How, how uh, we... Yeah, yeah, he. He kind of he wanted to do a chili beer. Well, we we he and I had been talking about chili beers for a while, and then he said, "Hey, maybe some strawberry, and why don't we collab with Matador?" And I said, That's great. Let's do that. We've been putting our heads together for for quite some time on that beer, and uh, we're I'm very pleased with how it turned out. So, uh, especially for a first go at a, at a chili beer, I'd never even home brewed one or anything previous fifteen years of home brewing before I opened the brewery. Huh. Uh, maybe not fifteen, only twelve. Uh, yeah, it was um, it was a fun one, and we were really happy. We 
on our faces when we first tried it was pretty good because we were just like, wow, <laughs> we hit we hit it we hit a home run here. We thought so. Um, I mean, so far the numbers people are buying it. People like it. So good. good. So it, that's got to be kind of a fun process, the actual brainstorming and coming up with new ideas and then putting them into action. So is that how often do you get together and, and try to come up with new flavor profiles and, and different styles of beer? A lot. We do it. We do a lot. We talk a lot about how we can create just a totally new beer or take what we have and, and tweak it. Um, which a good example of that is the puppy coat coffee porter that's coming out next week. But it's, it's, uh, we were thinking, okay, there's, there's a couple types of porters you can make. And one's called a robust porter. And we were like, okay, we could, we could do this, maybe add some coffee to it and the vanilla. And, um, so it's basically kind of a coffee vanilla robust porter, but the new version will be, we're going to have that available, um, on draft and in, in four pack 16 ounce cans also. That's coming out next week. So that, that's going to be a fun one. Um, about, that one's about finished, so it should it should be really good. We're looking forward to that. How long does that one stay in the hopper for? Um, well, hopefully a long time. We'll kind of see how it goes, see how it's received. And we think it will do well, and uh, uh, if people like it, we'll, we'll probably continue with it. Winter. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and but we'll have the, the, the puppy coat vanilla back. It's not going away or anything for fans of that beer. Um, it'll, it'll still be around. We'll, we'll definitely be making that one. It's a, it's a favorite of our, of our, uh, Mighty River lineup for people. So, yeah. um, yeah. And, what, and, uh, and what are a few of the other ones you got out right now? Yeah. And, uh, we're doing the, the chocolate milkshake stout is back, um, that we released that about a week ago and our, um, just re-released our kind of for the winter. We like to do our German, uh, Dunkel lager, our dead drift. Lager, so um, it's just a classic dark German lager, really easy to drink. Uh, nice multi profile, clean, crisp though. You know, just like those German lagers are, just really good, good and good for winter. Perfect winter beer. So yeah, yeah. that's about. I think that's about it right now, Joel. Or so. So you you yeah. and I have talked about this privately, but how did you how did you get into beer? You were a home brewer for a while. How did you get into to the level where you wanted to open up a brewery and, and start doing this on a, on a little bit bigger scale? Well, a couple of things kind of came together for it. Um, it's something that uh, I've been thinking about for a long time. And I talked to other folks and other folks that talked to me over the years um, about doing one and never really materialized. And then um, just kind of some things came together where it looked like it was, it was a good, a good fit. And a good uh, good location and just things were just looking favorable for it uh, for for where we are where we set up set up our, our business and so I that's when I said yeah um, I'm gonna really get serious about it and uh, and that was about that was about uh, a little over four years ago so 2016 right about I remember actually talking to a friend of mine at the Minnesota game in Minneapolis in 2016 that was kind of where kind of some serious thought about it kind of occurred. Kind of, kind of fun thing. A little fact about getting the Mighty River Brewing kind of started in, in, uh, at a CSU game. So uh, 
And that, that's when I really got serious about it and just kept working through it and it just kept materializing and materializing and materializing and then here we were. We opened it fall of 2018. That's kind of how, in a nutshell, how it happened. So, uh, well, the, the beer is fantastic. I love your place. Um, it's got such a cool vibe to it. It's really well done. And uh, I, I hope for your sake and for all of our sakes that uh, we can push through this last this last bit, get a little bit back to normal here, heading into 2021 and, and get businesses like yours back on track and um, appreciate all that you do. And, and uh, I really want to encourage our, our fans to, to get out there and support Dan and Christine Miller at Mighty River Brewing Company, amazing beer, amazing owners, great place and uh, get in there, buy growlers, buy some four packs and support these guys. Dan, let's shift gears. I know you've been a, a long-time diehard fan. What uh, we've we've had our own conversations and our lamentations over the recent years. But uh, what is your assessment so far of of the season? It's been really bizarre. It's hard to gauge what this team truly is. But uh, are you seeing concerns? Are you seeing signs that you know the program might be on the on the uh, forward trajectory? W- what are your thoughts? Well, yeah. I- I, I I think it can be. I think I think Adazio can take uh, the, the team to the new heights, the heights that we haven't seen in a while. I definitely think he's capable of doing it. Now, you know that said, last not last Saturday because we got postponed again, but uh, previous Boise. Uh, Thursday against Boise, yeah, we I think all realized that um, there were some serious holes. Um, uh, in the team there, especially if everybody saw those special teams gaffes. And um, that's a concern because I think we all were kind of not too happy with how that unit did with Coach Bobo. So right. um, it, it, it kind of was a little frightening, I think, for, for a lot of fans. And, and um, But I did see some things, you know, and um, I, I think some positive things. And I think I think it might take some time. I, I don't know. I mean, I've always kind of been in the mindset that Bobo did, did more damage than, than a lot of people realize. And uh, um, I think it's going to take time for, for Coach Adazio to, um, to kind of write that. It really is hard. I mean, we, we both had, had our we were both kind of scratching our heads at the hire. And I think we both got to a point where we're like, you know what, the more I hear from this guy, the more I like. And um, I think he's got qualities that could be a uh to be the right kind of head coach here and you know but we're also kind of in that wait and see mode and the opener was was very disturbing the way that we played against fresno state then you came back and played a great game against wyoming and uh and then like you said laid a humongous egg like we always do against boise state and you know, I, I was as frustrated as anybody, just sick to my stomach watching that game. Just like, what is happening? This is this is not a good sign. The special teams are a joke. Uh, some of the mistakes we're making are a joke. The shuffling of quarterbacks and, you know, uh, there's so many issues that you look at. But I don't know about you, but to me, it's it's hard for me to place a lot of stock and get a really good gauge on whether or not this we can we can glean a lot from this year. I mean, there's so many guys missing day in day out of practice, 
whether whether they're starters or not, you're still missing guys, key guys in practice that allow you to put together drills and and things that you're trying to teach and, and improve for following weeks. They're dealing with that on a like anybody dealing with that on a week to week basis. But no matter that we're all dealing with it and everybody in the country, it still doesn't take away from the fact that this is this is probably not the best gauge of of whether or not this is the right coaching staff, whether or not they can get things going. Um, there's just too many variables going week to week and who you're playing and how healthy the opponent is and how much preparation they've had. Uh, but what I do want to see is more consistency with avoiding mistakes, avoiding the freaking the plays that blow up your whole game. Um, and then I want to, I want to see toughness. And one thing I have seen is I, I've liked our defense for the most part. We, we have a, we have trouble getting off the field on third down, which as yeah. you've seen, and that's a major problem, but, but I I've seen some pretty drastic improvements on defense. The front seven, I think has been very solid. I think they tackle better. I think they play tougher. They fly around more than they have in, in previous years. I think their scheme of, of um, attacking the ball rather than kind of filling gaps is, is, is better for this group of players. And, so I, I'm trying not to, to veer one way or another to get too high or too low after a win. But um, I, I agree with you that I think that there's signs that this could be the right staff and there could be, could be success down the road. We're just not going to see it probably in its full effect here. Not this year. Hopefully at some point next year, we can start filing on, on all cylinders. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking, Joel. That this, this year is just going to be kind of be a wash. I mean, you know, what I kind of told myself is, hey, you know, at least we got that win against Wyoming. That was a, that was definitely a positive sign that rivalry games matter. Coach Adazio, yep. that that meant a lot to me. I think it meant a lot to a lot of Ram fans. It's like, okay, so you know, with you know, previously with, with Coach Bobo, it was more of a every year was a total disappointment. Well, not every year, I shouldn't say that, but the last couple for sure, mm-hmm. and. Um, it's, it was nice to see that there was um, some positive things happening and there were some bad things too that you, know, you talked about. Um, but again, it's, it's a crazy year. We've got games are getting canceled. Um, probably kind of hard for the coaching staff to, to prepare for the next person when they're not even sure if our next team, if they're not even sure they're going to play them and then, and then jump into the next opponent. And like you said, you know, not even fully, manned um i think you know i'm trying to just take this year with a grain of salt i know you are i think a lot of ramp fans are they're just trying to see what to pick through the what's what's positive and what's negative and and, and then take that and say okay build on that and, and fix that for next year right and i think adazio is definitely capable and you know like you said you and i weren't crazy about the hire like a lot of ramp fans weren't crazy about the hire but he's clearly a capable coach i mean you know, those special team guests make you wonder a little, but and that was that was disturbing to watch. That really was um, those special team errors. Were, I think some of the worst I've ever seen as a Ram fan, and I've been a Ram fan since the '80s. So, uh, uh, I, I hope those those get fixed, and that we don't ever see anything like that again. Because you can never win ball games with that going on. That's for sure. Well, I think you nailed it in terms of rivalry games. That Wyo game was huge to get that win. And the, the fact that you could tell that team was ready to play. They wanted that boot, the way they celebrated with the boot, 
Uh, and, the, and the way that they played with passion throughout the game, we hadn't really seen that for many years under Bobo in those games and uh-huh. very, very few successes. Um, so hopefully that little taste of, of winning that rivalry game kind of is contagious as far as uh, this game against Air Force. And, you know, if no matter what happens the rest of the year, I mean, we're only going to play six games, potentially a bowl game. I don't know how that's going to work, uh, right. but but, you know, if, if you play six games and you play against your rivals twice and, and get a couple of wins, that's a pretty, pretty good debut for for Adazio and his staff and kind of sets the tone for 2021. So uh, with with a with what could be everybody returning, you know, as, as yeah. will be the case across the board in college football next year. But, um, you know, I, I think getting those first tastes like in 1993 when you're coming off the last couple of Earl Bruce years where it wasn't going real well and Sonny came in and got off to a little bit of a slow start uh, in 93, his first year, but closed great, you know, with the win against Wyoming. I think we won three out of our last four or something like that to close that season. And you could just feel the momentum turn uh, and, and a couple of those wins were, were, were key, a big border war rivalry win on the road. Uh, so those are the kind of pieces I'm hoping that we can pick up this year and build momentum for next year. Uh, Cause right now, I mean, this is, this is a wash year. I mean, yeah, it's not meaningful. We're not playing for no. a real conference championship. We got no shot at, uh, you know, what, what a bowl season can look like, who knows. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but, but just start building some of those components um, for next year. So yeah. do, you, do we, do you think, uh, <clears throat> what, what are your, what are your thoughts on this Wyoming, or I'm sorry, the air force matchup? Well, lately, you know, with coach bubble, we definitely struggled with air force. Um, in fact, we struggled with air force now for a very long time. Um, haven't won there in 18 yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I think the last, yeah, 2002, you're right. So, uh, crazy, but if we can go down there, Play some good defense. You know, and that, like you said, the front seven playing well, that'll be key. If they can do that, that's kind of can be half the battle against the option. If our front, our front line is playing well, that, that could really help. We can, you know, get the offense going a little bit, you know, keep it close, maybe have a shot at the end. We get, we just, if they start running the ball right away, we all know what's going to happen. We're going to get killed. So, um, I mean, I know that's what they do. That's what airport does, but it's, you know, they're just running down us. I, I'm not going to have much hope, but we can come out and play tough. Get those stops, you know, get them in the, and get Air Force in third and long. That's, that's a pretty good chance. You're going to, you're going to be able to stop them. Um, and if we can, we can do that. I think we've got a shot. And I would say beating Air Force this year and beating Wyoming this year would be called a success by and large for me. Yeah. Uh, if, if we could beat those two teams. Um, I think you can take that positive, like you said, back in 1993, uh, in Sonny's first year, that we could see that there were positives that you saw, and they were they were amazing those in that year. But uh, yep, um, at least it would be something. It, it would be kind of a, a more positive positive vibe going into 21. So yeah. um, we'll see we'll see what happens. I I hope they can pull it off down there. We're due. We're due. We can hope. We can hope. Yep. We need it. You need it. I need it. <laughs> we all <laughs> yeah. would make Thanksgiving a lot better. So, 
Definitely would. All right, buddy. Absolutely. Well, I, I uh, can't thank you enough for all that you do for us and, um, and for taking the time to hop on here and talk some beer and, and some footy and uh, yeah. let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you, bud. Yeah, I appreciate that, Joel. And thanks so much for, for having me on the podcast. Great to do this. Great talking to you as always. And to thank you for everything you do for us uh, at Mighty River. And uh, um, everybody have a great Thanksgiving and, and uh, we'll ramp. All right, Dan. Thanks, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you. All right. Talk to you later, Welcome back to Ram Nation Radio. This segment is brought to you by Ginger and Baker. Like most businesses, they're highly impacted by the COVID restrictions and the new tighter regulations that are limiting seating to outdoors. Uh, that's obviously going to impact Ginger and Baker here as the November, December, and winter months are here. They've had to close their cash restaurant once again, but uh, they're staying afloat by carryout orders, orders and delivery from the cafe. Uh, so I really encourage you to visit their website, gingerandbaker.com. For more information, see what they've got available, order some food, bring it home, order some meals for the week. Um, and then while you're on the site, consider ordering some holiday pies. These pies are second to none, and they're a great choice for gifts for you, uh, for your friends, your family, uh, for your holiday meals as well. And they're also offering customized gift baskets that can be picked up or even shipped. Uh, so this holiday season, consider picking up gift baskets from Ginger and Baker for your family and friends or as a business gift. Uh, use your imagination, but let's do what we can to support Ginger and Baker. Ginger Graham is a tremendous supporter of RamNation.com. Let's get back to her and her business. Don't buy your pies from the supermarket. Go get a gourmet pie from Ginger and Baker. All right, well, we were going to bring in Mike Rowe here for this uh, second segment, but just in between the, the two segments, we got word that the CSU Air Force rivalry game for Thanksgiving tomorrow is canceled. Extremely disappointing. This is frustrating because we've already had two games canceled. We are less than 24 hours from kickoff. The team was probably, if not en route, uh, was getting close to being en route to Colorado Springs to stay for the night. Uh, but apparently, there were seven of 103 players on the CSU roster and two coaches who tested positive, plus at least nine other players who were identified as close contacts and thus ordered to quarantine. This ultimately came down to a decision by the CSU pandemic preparedness team, according to the Fort Collins Coloradoan, uh, at the direction of President Joyce McConnell. And she had consulted with the Larimer County Department of Health and Environment. And ultimately, they came to the decision that it'd be best to not travel to Colorado Springs and to cancel the game. And what's interesting about this is that the Mountain West has rules in place for teams uh, to show certain thresholds of what makes a team ineligible to play. So um, the ruling, at least the article that the Colorado put out, was, which was based off a statement that Joyce McConnell had made internally, apparently there was no reference to these thresholds. She just made the decision in concert with the, the local government. She did consult the county, and any local government, government restrictions or regulations can supersede the Mountain West's regulate the, their rules, uh, but... There was no specific wording in that, nor was there specific wording in the Mountain West's press release that came out just a little bit ago either. So it'll be interesting to see if this was truly just a decision made by CSU, President McConnell, or if it truly was because they fell within the acceptable threshold for canceling a game. Either way, it's frustrating. You know, there's been a lot of negative 
publicity on the university lately. And uh, Joseph Connell probably wanted to tread lightly and make sure we don't have any missteps and in, uh, in forcing this game to, to be played. So uh, just just being socially responsible, I suppose, but it is frustrating. I'm sure it's frustrating for the coaches. You could hear it all week in the press conferences that Steve Adazio gave, um, how he was on pins and needles every time he got a text and who might be uh, infected, who might be contact traced, um, you know, was his own was his own test negative? You know, all those things just weighed on him every day, and they were just dying and hoping to be able to get to play this rivalry game. They put a lot of heart and soul into preparing for it. Um, when the game last week against UNLV got canceled, it gave CSU a couple extra days to prepare for Air Force. And if you remember, uh, Coach Adazio had said back in the fall camp that they had prepared they had spent some days preparing for Air Force just because of the uniqueness of the offense and, and wanting to just get a leg up and focus on this rivalry game. And for it to now be canceled, it's really frustrating. We've now lost half of the six scheduled games so far. That means the most that we can play this season, barring uh, a rescheduling, which they said at the beginning of the year they weren't going to do any rescheduled games. Uh, the most we could play is five. And even those now seem in peril. It just seems like every week it gets worse and worse. Um, can there be a rescheduled game? Not not before the conference championship. Now, it doesn't appear that CSU is going to be in the running for a conference championship anyway. So I would suggest that for the sake of getting games in, for sake of getting games and positioning yourself for a potential bowl invite, play a game on that conference championship weekend Maybe even play it the following week, you know, assuming that the the bowl isn't that same week or, or, or too close within that time frame. But uh, there's just not a lot of wiggle room to play any makeup games, unfortunately. You know, we're now entering week six of the Mountain West Conference schedule. As of now, our game and the San Diego State versus New Fresno State game this week have been canceled. That makes nine cancellations impacting Mountain West teams in the six-week stretch so far. Uh, as I said, CSU's had three of them, the opener versus New Mexico on October 24th, and then last week against UNLV, both at home, which is frustrating because uh, those are two very, very winnable games, The two of the most winnable games on our schedule. Now, the other games canceled this year was uh, Air Force at Army. That was based on Air Force COVID-19 issues. Uh, and then the following week, Air Force had to cancel against Wyoming based on their own COVID-19 concerns again. Uh, then Utah State had to cancel their game with Wyoming the following week after that. So that's two weeks in a row for Wyoming. That was uh, Utah State COVID issues. Uh, San Jose State and Fresno State had to cancel last week based on this past weekend based on state and local health orders in California. And then just now we have heard of the San Diego State and Fresno State uh, cancellation for this week. It's also based on state and local health orders in California. So um, for me, I'm not sure I was expecting this many, quite honestly. I think the, the conferences that got a jump on playing this year that started at the beginning of the you know, September, like, like we were all supposed to, that are now have played upwards of nine games. You know, there, there, there. Yes, there have been some cancellations, but there's been some programs that haven't missed a week, and they've got nine games under their belt. So I think this is an unfortunate circumstance where we've got CSU 
falling victim to our opponent having issues. And now it seems to be running rampant at uh, Colorado State University, as we are now seeing it in football. And uh, as you know, basketball has had to shut down, which has cost us uh, two non-conference games, uh, one against Cal, one against Oregon State this week. Um, and then we're supposed to play San Diego State for two games next week. Uh, and those also have been canceled. So uh, we'll talk more about basketball in a second. But what's disappointing about this is that I think CSU had a chance to win this game. And I, I, I like the way that the coaches were putting an emphasis on these rivalry games. I think they were ready to play. I think Air Force was ripe for an upset. You know, we haven't won. We haven't beat Air Force in five years. We haven't won in Colorado Springs in 18 years. And I will never forget that night. That night before that game in 2002, my wife, Laura, was about two weeks away from having our first baby. <clears throat> so I'd spent that night packing up tailgate items and I was getting ready uh, for a day of fun and, and tailgating in Colorado Springs. And we go to bed that night. I'm excited for uh, a big Air Force game that next day. And in the middle of the night, my wife wakes me up and tells me that her water is broken. <laughs> I immediately sit up. I'm panicked. I'm running around getting our things ready to go to the hospital. And meanwhile, she jumps in the shower like, no big deal. We got all the time in the world. Um, but, you know, we, we finally in the middle of the night are making our way to the hospital. And it dawns on me. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm going to be missing the CSU Air Force game. I haven't missed a game in forever. Uh, and now I'm going to miss a big rivalry game. Um, called my buddies, told them I wasn't gonna be able to make it and, uh, they could pick up all the, the supplies and the food at the house. And so my son, the, the delivery was like 15 hours long. It was absolutely absurd. Um, and he didn't, he wasn't born until 8 PM that next night, um, right in the middle of the game. And, uh, we actually had the game on, on, on the television in the delivery room as he was born. I think it was, uh, I think he was literally born uh, in the third quarter, and we had just scored a touchdown. So it was kind of uh, surreal. I was certainly focused on my wife and and the baby, but having that game on in the background sure, sure calmed the nerves, which probably wouldn't be the case these days. You know, we were pretty, we were a lot better back then. But uh, CSU was top twenty-five in the country. Pounded the Zoomies thirty-one to twelve. It is hard to believe that was the last time we won in Colorado Springs 18 years ago. That is just pathetic. Um, I do think we had a chance to win this year. I wanted to see CSU's response to the Boise State debacle a couple weeks ago. I wanted to see how they perform in another rivalry game. Air Force is missing 40 players who opted to sit out the season this year before the season even started. Uh, yet, they are still the number one rushing team in the country. They're still pretty serviceable on defense. They just shut out New Mexico last week, 24, nothing. Um, you know, so, uh, this, that's despite not having Jordan Jackson on the defensive line, DeMonte Meeks, a first team, all, uh, Mount West linebacker or fellow linebacker, Lakota Wills. I mean, they, they they just continue to compete and put out a, a good product down there in the Springs, but you know, they're, they're two and two, they whipped Navy to open the season. They lost a tough game to a really uh, vastly improved San Jose State game. They got beat by Boise. Uh, but then, as I said, shut out New Mexico last week, 28-0. And, and uh, so they're mysterious. They're, they're, they're bizarre from week to week. But I think this, is a, 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 this was a chance for CSU to win that game. Um, I like Ajon Vivens has been running the ball better. I think our defense, the front seven, has been really solid so far this year in three games. You know, we've struggled getting off the field on third down. 
Our secondary has struggled, especially if we're not getting enough pressure up front. But overall, I think we've done a good job against the run. Um, we've gotten to the quarterback a little bit. I, I, I was really anxious to see how this front seven performed against Air Force. And uh, also to see how the, you know, the offense performed. They, they were coming off of a, a, a dud of a performance against Boise State. You had a decline in execution from Patrick O'Brien from uh, the week before. Wyoming and not here as well against Boise. He ended up being benched in favor of Todd Santeo. And, you know, they, they need to figure out what they want to do there, by the way. I, they, I, why not figure out some certain packages for Todd Santeo to come in and change the pace, give a different look? But I think it's pretty clear. We've seen uh, it's still a small sample size, but we've seen it a couple times now where defenses are figuring out pretty quickly that they can key on Todd Santeo, force him to beat him with the with with his arm. And right now he hasn't proven that he can do that. So beyond being, you know, for at least for a sustained amount of, of drives, you know, he's, he's been pretty good his first few drives of a game. And then just kind of, there's nothing there after that. The defense is figured out and our offense becomes very stagnant. So uh, I would like to see some improvement from the offense for sure. I mean, they are, I think I saw they are second to last in third down conversions, second to last in the country. That's really, really bad. Um, they're they're leaving themselves too too many yards on third down. You know they're also having some penalties uh, that are pushing them back as well. So it's it's frustrating. It's um, you know they're missing some weapons. There's lack of continuity with with personnel on the field. But overall, we're not seeing great consistency in execution on offense, and the running game has been poor. Again, I, we saw some sparks from Ajon Vivens last week, uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, Christian Hunter uh, broke off a run of 20-something yards as well. So they are, uh, we're at least seeing some signs that there there might be some life in the running game, but they have got a long way to go. So with no game this week, uh, let's shift our focus to a little basketball. The start of college hoop season is tonight. Uh, however, 40 of the 357 Division I college basketball programs are on pause, including CSU. Uh, CSU had a couple of positive COVID tests, and obviously there's contact tracing issues in there as well. So the nice start to the season schedule against Cal and Oregon State has been wiped out, and then we were going to play two games on the road at San Diego State. Uh, tough way to start the season, but um, it, it would have been, but fun games and valuable games uh, for the development of this team. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Um, so we'll have to see what what happens uh, here here on out. Uh, as you know, the Mountain West changed the format of the hoop season. There, we're going to play in two game stretches over the span of three nights versus the same team, rather than a home and home. And obviously, this is designed to mitigate travel exposure. So as of now, with uh, the cancellations of the San Diego State game, it looks like our our opener for this season is going to be at CU December 8th, which is unfortunate because if all goes well for CU, they're going to have four games under their belt at that time. They're supposed to play South Dakota, Kansas State, Arizona, and Washington State before our December 8th matchup. Uh, and then I, I see that uh, the UNC got added, I believe, December 12th. Um, and then after that, it looks like, and, and I'm guessing something will change. I'm guessing that there will be some non-conference games added in this stretch, but uh, the next game wouldn't be until December 28th. So uh, 
almost a few, almost three weeks later. So uh, the first two conference games would then become against Fresno State at Moby. Um, that would be the 28th and I believe the 30th, something like that. Uh, I don't have the schedule open right now, but that's approximately what it is. So, um, you know, the, these back-to-back series games at home make sense. You know, you could look at it as not being fair that you're going to have to go play at, CS, uh, at San Diego State twice within three nights and you don't get a home game with them. Uh, you got to go to Wyoming twice. You got to go to Utah State twice, you know, et cetera. But, you know, with, the, with no crowds and there's no home court advantage of what it normally would be. Uh, so that minimizes the unfairness there. Plus, you know, obviously on the flip side, you've got uh, home games against two home games against Fresno, UNLV, Boise State. So UNLV and Boise State, two of the top teams in the conference, and New Mexico twice at home, as well as Air Force. So Mountain West Media Days has now passed. Hard to believe we are uh, here in college basketball season. CSU was projected by the media to finish fifth. So while we've started to see some bandwagon uh, media outlets out there starting to pick CSU higher than that, uh, the local media, the Mountain West media, is taking a Show me first approach to predicting what the Rams can do this year. San Diego State was predicted uh, to finish first. They had 14 first place votes. Boise State projected second. They had four first place votes. Utah State was third. They had two first place votes. And then UNLV was fourth, CSU fifth. And they were ahead of Nevada, New Mexico, Fresno, Wyo, Air Force, and San Jose State in that order. Isaiah Stevens was named to the preseason All Mountain West team. He was the 2020 Mountain West Freshman of the Year last year, if you remember. He started every game during his uh, freshman year uh, in 2019-2020. And he led the Rams in scoring 13 points a game, assists, four and a half assists a game, and minutes, 30, almost 33 minutes a game. And he set a CSU freshman record uh, with 144 assists that season. Uh, Boise State's Derek Alston Jr. was projected as the preseason player of the year. He, along with San Diego State's Matt Mitchell, UNLV's Bryce Hamilton, Utah State's Nemius Queda, and uh, other, uh, they were the other preseason All Mountain West selections. So, well, very much looking forward to basketball. I was really looking forward to see how CSU would compete against those Pac-12 teams. Um, it's going to be a tall order facing a very good CU team especially in their place, no matter if there's fans or not. Uh, it's just away from home. It's the Course Event Center. It's uh, actually, it's not called the Course Event Center anymore, is it? Uh, but just being away from home and having to play them uh, to start the season with with having not a game under our belt and them having four, that's a challenge. You know, I, I've also seen some chatter about uh, Ignea Sargunius leaving the, the team and wondering why. Apparently, he lost his passion for basketball and just decided to leave the game. So. That's as simple as it was with his part. Uh, the Mountain West fared pretty well in the NBA draft the other night. Malachi Flynn from San Diego State was picked in the first round. He was a 29th pick overall. You had Justinian Jessup from Boise State, who you shockingly did not recruit out of Longmont, I believe he's from. Uh, he was drafted in the second round with the 51st overall pick. Eight picks later, Jalen Harris from Nevada was was taken in the second round with the 59th pick overall. And then one pick after that, Sam Merrill uh, from Utah State was taken with the 60th pick overall in the second round. So uh, after four draft selections uh, this year, the Mount West now has 31 players uh, total 
in the NBA draft since the league's inception in, in 1999. Malachi Flynn is the 15th first-round selection in the history of the Mount West in the third for San Diego State. Um, the top draft pick in the Mount West in Mount West history was Andrew Bogut from Utah, and I believe that was man was that uh, 1999? Was that the first year of Mount West? I'm I'm drawing a blank there, but it was the one of the first few years of Mount West uh, basketball that uh, he was taken in that same year. I take that back. He was drafted. So I believe he was drafted the same year as Alex Smith was drafted number one in the NFL draft. So that must have been more like 2004 because Alex Smith was definitely drafted. And I believe that 2004 draft um, following the Utah Utes Fiesta Bowl win over over Pitt. Uh, that's kind of what propelled that program to take that next step in surpass CSU and get invited to the Pac-12. Uh-huh. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how these players translate to the NBA game. You know, there's been a lot of talk about whether Sam Merrill will be more like a Jimmer Fredette in the NBA, who did not have an illustrious uh, NBA career, uh, but very, very good bas- college basketball players, e- each of these four guys. And uh, they were a lot of fun to watch as part of the Mountain West. Um, Speaking of college basketball, speaking of the Mountain West basketball, I did want to announce something exciting that uh, Steve Ivey, Swole Cracker, longtime poster who's been uh, been a poster on Ram Nation since the very beginning days, 2000-ish. He is now bringing his Crackers College Hoops blog to Ram Nation. So I'm very happy to have his content living on our site, be free and, and easily accessible for Ram fans. So Uh, Keep a lookout for that. He will be covering both men's and women's basketball, uh, CSU basketball, as well as local college basketball and and, uh, on a national level as well. He's got great insights, great observations. He's a great read. So excited to announce that. A couple other things before we wrap this up. I don't want to skirt the conversation about the, the accusations, the allegations that have come out again. I mean, Man, it's hit after hit with the Colorado one, and and I know that people are getting frustrated by that, and I know that people are saying, you know, what what does the Colorado one have against CSU, and what is this smear campaign? But you know, if there continue to be more and more people that come out and have these stories and have these accusations, and they're they're communicating this to the Colorado, and you know, the Coloradoans' job is to report on it, and they're not trying to tell one side of it. They've requested interviews from the CSU side to get their um, fair and balanced uh, commentary, and and CSU's declined to to talk about it. So again, the, uh, I'm not going to go into details. I I don't really like to talk about this with with not knowing a lot of the facts. There's just too much at stake. There's people's jobs on the line. There's um, you know sensitive issues with the, from the people that are are making the accusations, and I just don't have enough of the information to to speak from an educated standpoint on it. But I will say this, something's not right, right? There's too much fire. There's too much fire and too many people with similar stories, but different stories. And I, I'm not sure why this is coming out in newspapers and, and constant new allegations, but we just went through a, a long two-month investigation. Did any of this stuff come up in the investigation? Why was this stuff not prioritized as something that we needed to dig deeper into and fix on our side? as opposed to hearing more accusations come out and being reported in the newspaper. 
these should have been uncovered by an investigation. And then they should have like the initial step should have happened to start making things right and cleaning up what's going on up there. You know, the fact that multiple current student athletes and former student athletes, we've had trainers, administrators, coaches, um, they've all gone to the papers to talk about their, their issues and their concerns, which tells me that either they've got a major vendetta or that they are feeling that their only option to get their story out there is to express their concerns to the papers because they must feel like they're not being listened to internally. That's a major, major problem. I'm disappointed by that. And I'm shocked that it hasn't been more formally addressed and fixed, um, or at least have showing the beginnings of repairing this. It's disappointing. I, I'm tired of seeing my alma mater smeared through the media. But if these allegations are true, man, there's got to be some correction. There's got to be things fixed. And I don't know what the solution is, but Joyce McConnell's got an issue on her hands and she's got to, she's got to take this one and get it fixed ASAP. We cannot sweep it under the rug. One last thing, and this is a sad note. You probably, many of you probably remember the poster who most recently posted under the name, A Very Stable Genius. He liked to mix it up on the general board. He liked to talk politics. Um, he liked to needle people and get under their skin a little bit. But he was a super sharp guy, funny guy, witty guy, and very generous guy. Uh, I can't tell you the amount of times that he has tried to help others, tried to help me. And I didn't know him well. I've met him on road trips. I met him at games and events. We said hi. We talked. And nonetheless, he, he we kind of started developing like a texting friendship. So every now and then he would reach out and ask me about a game or ask me something or he'd text me a picture of his 1950s ball cap, CSU ball cap. And uh, I hadn't heard from him in a while. I haven't seen him on the board in a while. And I, I started texting him about August, then again in October, and then just again the other day. And I'm like, you know, what, what, the, what the heck's wrong with him? And uh, I Googled his name. His real name is Robert Kent Glover and saw an obituary for him. So he passed away. I don't know any issues, but uh, I was very, very sorry and saddened to to see that. My thoughts and prayers to his family, and uh, what a genuine good guy, very generous, kind person he was. So I wanted to let you all, the fellow Ram Nation community, know about that. Looks like he passed away back in June. He was 59 years old. I want to thank all of our sponsors. Mighty River Brewing Company, Dan Miller for joining us in the first segment. Uh, visit Mighty River Brewing Company, buy growlers, buy cans to go. Ginger and Baker, they've been great sponsors all year. We please give back to them, support them this holiday season, buy pies, buy gift baskets. And then Peterson Toyota came aboard over a month ago now. They are a tremendous partner, tremendous longtime partner for CSU and now RamNation.com. When you're in the market for a new or used car, please consider Peterson Toyota and give them first shot at your business. Thanks to you all for listening. Bummer about the rivalry game tomorrow. I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. Go Rams.